I've titled the message, Unifying Faith. Unifying Faith. I want to make a statement to you, and I'm going to back it up with Scripture in just a moment when we read it. There are few things in Scripture that are as important to God as the unity of believers. We don't talk a whole lot about that. But I'll tell you, the scourge of the American church in the last 50 years has been the dysfunction and the lack of unity, the power grabs and the lack of focus to further the gospel. And it's come because of Judases within the church who care nothing about unity and are self-seeking, as James says. And every evil thing follows selfishness. So the Bible puts a great premium on unity. Because without unity, you can't advance the gospel. Now, unity does not mean that we have to agree on everything. Let's just take an informal poll. And, and, and there's going to be one dominant theme that's going to, that's going to, going to permeate the group here because of where we're located but let me just informal poll not very spiritual poll but an informal poll how many gator fans do we have in the house today raise your hand what what what's your what's what's the thing y'all are known for as gator fans yeah and we when we beat you huh winning oh that's true that too and when we beat you the other fans like to do that back at you right but it's kind of a a sign of respect, right? Okay, Gator fans. How many Georgia fans do we have in here? One, two. Y'all are so bold. Y'all remind me of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, in the Bible, man. Y'all are the only two in this massive crowd. There we go. Go dogs. Okay. Um, how many Miami fans do we have in the house? Ah, there we go. We, we always got one. <laughs> um, how many Seminole fans? We normally have two or three. Where are they at? Huh? We got rid of them all. No, I'm just kidding. How many LSU fans? Right. Within this building... There are, we are a kaleidoscope of fandom, right? All kinds of us. I saw Mr. Joel Coppick, our brother, walking through the hallways. I said, is that a Dallas Cowboy hat? You know it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, my friend Rick Williams, if he's watching, Rick, love you. I enjoyed our time yesterday. Uh, took his son, he and... Uh, myself and Rick went fishing yesterday afternoon late just for a little while and uh, his son asked me when we got in the truck when we we're done he goes sir you you're an LSU and Saints fan and I was wondering how he knew that but I got stickers on my boat and I was wearing a New Orleans Saints shirt I, I, didn't, I didn't even realize I had that on the point I'm making here, before we go any further, I don't want to belabor the point on that, is that within a body, you have different perspectives and different 
viewpoints about things. And it's the same in a family, and it's the same in a church. We've got people in this church that have preferences when it comes to styles of music. We have people in this church that have their own preferences when it comes to restaurants and foods that you like, teams that you root for. And you might say, well, because of that, we are not unified. No, 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 because see, those are not, those are not um, major items. Those are really minor, to be real honest with you, in the grand scheme of things. And in the church, you can have a lot of that. But unity is about the advancement of the gospel. It's about, is the Bible God's word? It's about, is Jesus the only true way to salvation? You know, it's about the core tenets of our faith. And it's about, what is the church all about? Why are we here? What should we be doing in our lives? And how should we be conducting church? Is it for me only? Or is it for others? Is it my church? Or is it his church? See, those things are important. So I want to talk about unifying faith and why it's important and what does a person who's a unifier look like. Let's stand together. Two passages of Scripture, okay? Now in the first passage, it doesn't mention the word unity. But you see the acts of a unifier in that, the, that first section in Galatians. And then in Ephesians, you see more about unity there. But our focus is going to be primarily in Galatians. But I want, to, want you to see these two passages of Scripture. So Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, meaning you who are living the right way you should live as believers, you're in right fellowship, right relationship with God, you should berate such a person. Is that what it says? No. You should exclude them. Is that what it says? No. You should treat them as though, no. Here's what it says. Restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of christ if anyone thinks they are something when they are not they deceive themselves each one should test their own actions then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else and what that's talking about it's not talking about ungodly pride it's saying that and we're going to talk about that in a little bit that you examine yourself first and when you do that, okay, you got yourself straightened out. Now we can help somebody else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the Word should share all good things with their instructor. Now, go with me to Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6 also. Paul is writing, and he says here to the Ephesian Christians, he goes, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love <laughs> i've always asked this question why is that put in the bible because sometimes some people are, are bears 
And that's why you have to bear with one another. <laughs> They're difficult to deal with. Make every effort. Look at this. Look how important the scriptures say. What, what the scriptures say about this. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So, Father, we thank you for your word. Help me to declare the truth of your word, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to rebuke us. Whatever state we find ourselves, may your word speak to that need in our lives. And I prayed in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated, everybody. So basically, how to achieve unity. What does unity look like in a person's life? Let's jump right into it, okay? Number one, unifiers, first of all, work to restore those in sin. In any church, you have sin. Have you ever heard this before? Well, I'm not going to that church because they are full of hypocrites. You know what that's saying? <laughs> that's saying that I'm not going to church because there's sin there. Of course there's sin there because there's people. Where do we get this idea that the church is supposed to be this display of perfect saints and that everybody looks good, smells good, is living right. No, as a matter of fact, it's not that way at all. The Bible teaches us from the beginning in the book of Acts, you see how the church was established. And they, you know, early on they had, you know, you had liars in the church that were lying about the amount that they sold some land for and said, we gave all the money to the church for that, that we, you know, it wasn't the amount of money they gave, it was the lie. And Ananias and Sapphira, and they were killed. They died immediately by the Spirit of God because of the lie they told. The church has sin in it. Now, is that God's ideal? No. But the fact is, we as Christians, though we are saved, we are according to Scripture. Now, hear me out when I say this. According to Scripture, we are categorized now as saints. A saint is not someone who's lived a perfect life and has done all these great things, and 500 years after they're dead, somebody anoints them with sainthood. That's a, a Catholic doctrine that is unbiblical. I'm just being honest. It's unbiblical. A saint is someone who's been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Do saints sin? Yes, they do. Now, in Scripture, for terms of categorizing us, the Bible does talk about sinners. We are saints, but we're no longer in that category of sin, meaning that we are sinners, unredeemed, unrepentant, and we've not been changed and saved. But now that we are saved, we've been sanctified and changed by the gospel and the power of Jesus Christ. So we're cleansed from the inside out. But we still live in this old body. We still have the old person fighting against us. And like one older preacher said one time, he said, it's like two dogs I got fighting within me. 
And the one that wins is the one that I feed. You know, there's the godly dog and the old ungodly dog, the old spirit, the old man. The Bible talks about that. So the point is, is that within a congregation, you're going to have people who are redeemed, bought by the blood of Christ, and from time to time, they sin. And in so doing, there is a process that the Bible talks about so that the church doesn't implode from within, that we should go about helping someone who finds themselves in sin. And the ultimate goal of dealing with sin in somebody's life is not embarrassment, it's not retribution, it's restoration. The Bible says that we are helping people to become reconciled. We're ambassadors for Christ. And so the Bible says here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, if anyone's caught in a sin, you who live, and the word caught here is not like, they, uh-oh, they got caught by somebody. It's the idea that sin has entangled them. And then it says, you who are spiritual, you who live by the Spirit, to restore that person gently. And so unifiers... Don't look to smash and destroy people who hurt and who sin and who disobey God. As a matter of fact, we who have grown in our walk and who are growing and who are spiritual and who are walking by the Word and are living obedient lives, we should be the ones to help to restore those people, help them to see the error of their way, help them to see the truth that we do it gently, but we do it in love, and we do it with the whole purpose of them being restored in their fellowship to God. That's one way you achieve, you achieve unity. And you know what happens when you have that spirit? It eliminates horrendous gossip among people. Because gossip at the root is about shaming others and making yourself look better. That's what it is. Did you hear about so and so? Did you hear Pastor Corey got thrown out of Starbucks and he wasn't the nicest that he should have been? Well, you see, when that happened, I came and I confessed to my men. And they restored me gently in the Lord. Pastor, oh, no, I know I shouldn't have done that. I wasn't hateful. I was truthful, but my spirit wasn't right. (laughs) Overpriced coffee and it's not that good. Anyway, bye. See ya. <laughs> yep, I got my cheap seat guys here today. <laughs> so unifiers work to restore those in sin. We, we're, we're all going to sin. That's not to say that, that sin is acceptable. It's not. But when a person sins, they're not unforgivable. So that's the first thing. Now, all of these work together, so I'm kind of going to, you'll see what I'm saying when we get to them. Number two, so unifiers, now check this out. And there's a reason I highlighted the word rush here. Unifiers do not rush to judgment, to the judgment of others. They don't rush to the judgment of others. Now, we're going to read a passage of Scripture about not judging, but so many people take that out of context. We make judgments every day of our life. 
every day of our life we make judgments about everything. What we're going to eat, what we're going to you know, put in our bodies, what we're going to do, who we're going to hang out with, how we're going to respond to temptation. We're constantly making judgments. That's good, that's bad, that's not right. That person's bad for me, that person's good for me. That's a good place for me to go. That, so, so the idea that no one can ever make any judgments because it's a lie. The biggest people, the, the pe- people who shout the loudest, thou shalt not judge, are always judging everything, all the time. Just think about this. You just think about a, a general argument on Facebook. So somebody disagrees with a post you put and doesn't agree with your moral stance, biblical stance on something. And so they come back at you and say, well, I'm not a hater. Well, aren't they doing exactly, and they say, we don't judge people. Aren't they doing exactly what they said that you were doing? They're making a judgment and saying that you're a hater. How do they know that? And who are they to make that judgment, right? amazing to me but unifiers see what we do is this a unifier doesn't rush to cast judgment on somebody and say that person is damned to hell because of what they did that's the point or that person cannot love god if they did such and such or that see you don't rush to the judgment of others look at what it says here it says Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, you restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. That's where I got the concept about rushing to judgment. Always keep in your mind that that person that has succumbed to that sin did that because they disobeyed scripture and you have the potential and the propensity to do the same now it doesn't mean that you're just like me walking on the edge of the cliff every sunday and might fall off it's coming y'all i'm falling off one day i'm just telling you right here anyway but you know there's certain sins in life that you're living way over here and you have to take progressive steps to get to that edge you got to go through a lot of barriers you got you you got to go through you know a lot of people who love you praying for you a lot of warning signs a lot of yellow lights a lot of red flashing lights to get to the edge of the cliff before you ruin your life but we mean we need to be very careful that we keep in mind that we have the potential within ourselves to do the same thing or to do something like that and i think as you live the christian life you grow and you mature and you become a little bit better in understanding you know now i'm not saying that we have to tolerate that kind of behavior you don't tolerate ungodly behavior in christian leaders but there's a way to go about it And in the same measure you use to others. We had a young lady, I think it was in the late 1990s, maybe early 2000s, that uh, 
she got pregnant out of wedlock. She was an active uh, youth girl in our church. Her parents were very active in our church, and we helped them through it. As a matter of fact, when her baby was born, uh, she wanted Penny to be in the room with her. And this church showed that family a lot of love and a lot of grace. We didn't condone how it came about. You know, you know the difference between her and most everybody else is she got pregnant. I'm being honest. Okay? So that doesn't mean that it's right. But it was already done. We had people in our church at the time that said, you know, that happened to me, Pastor. And you know what my family did? Because they were ashamed of us. You know, it was not culturally acceptable. They sent me off. My church didn't want to have anything to do with me. So we showed a lot of grace, a lot of love. You know why? I'm a product of that. My mom was 16 years old when she had me. She called me the other day for my birthday, and she goes, I remember everything about that day, Corey. And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> I remember who was there. I remember the nurse that was mean to me. <laughs> she was saying all that. She goes, I was a scared 16-year-old girl who was married to dad but got pregnant out of wedlock i i guess maybe god's put a sensitivity in my my heart about people who are in that situation and so listen without going into a lot of detail same thing happened to my family i offered my resignation to the men in the leadership of our church at the time saying that you know I know you don't want a pastor, perhaps, who might have a child that is pregnant out of wedlock. And you know what I was shown? I was shown nothing but grace and mercy. And they looked at me and said, get that thinking out of your head. And one of them said to me this, said, we remember how you led us to help a young lady in our church at the time. Now it's our turn to help you and your family. So unifiers, they don't rush to the judgment of others. They actually rush to put the arms of Jesus around them. Now, yeah, in the process, they speak truth. That's not judgmentalism. That's speaking truth. I'll tell you how to live. How to not only get through this, but how not to get back into this again. God has offered a way. Number three how to achieve unity unifiers are always mindful of their own sin i told you these all work together but they're always mindful of their own sin of their own temptations look at what it says here in verse three it says here if anyone thinks they are something when they are not they deceive themselves Unifiers never think of themselves as better than anybody else. What they do think, if they've gained some victories along the way because they've obeyed Christ, what they do think is this. They say, you know, I've been on that side of the wall, and I know what it's like, and I've experienced that. 
And I'm on this side of the wall. And I've chosen to allow Christ to be the Lord of my life and to do some things in my life. And it's better over here. I'm not better than them, but Christ is better. His way is better. And so what I want to do is I'm throwing a lifeline to you. Come on. Come on on this side with us. This is the good part. This is the way God made us. This is the betterment of, of, of how we ought to live. Yeah, trust me, Jesus, you'll never regret obeying Jesus. You never will. But in all of that process, a unifier is a person, they're always mindful of where they've come from, what they experienced, and they keep that in mind. Because it says here, if anyone thinks they're something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Uh, Pastor Joe Smith, pastor of Second Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, when I was going to school there, used to say this all the time. It's one of his sayings. The ground at the cross is level for everybody. There is no caste system when it comes to Christianity. We all belong to him. We're all his children if we're saved and We've got to keep in mind that sometimes people find themselves entangled in sin. Sometimes it's by their own choosing. It's always by our own choosing, but sometimes circumstances work their way in such a way, and that person wasn't where they needed to be spiritually, and boom, it was there. It got them. Now, what do we do with that person? Look at what Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5 says. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Okay, now look at what it says. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Or as Brother Larry would say, why do you look at the, at the board in somebody's eye, somebody's eye when you've got a whole Home Depot in yours? Modern day translation. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So we have to be very mindful and very careful. That doesn't mean that because you're an imperfect human living in this body that you can't bring spiritual truth and light to a situation that doesn't mean you can't speak to someone and say you're wrong because you're standing on the word of god you're not being judgmental you're being truthful and there's a difference but you're always mindful of the fact that you know you've been told that too i've been told that too i've been confronted before too and i've realized my sin and and i'm and I told one man one time I had promised him something and I didn't live up to the promise and he came to my office and he asked me if I had done that and I showed him I said I started to do it I showed him on the computer I said but I never finished it and here's why and because um, I had a reason but it, you know and then he goes he goes look he goes here's what I'll tell you you made a promise that you would do it and you didn't do it and I'm here to hold you accountable I, I, I mean I was I was destroyed by that in my heart at the moment. And I said, boy, I, I'm so sorry. You're, you're absolutely right. I have, I have no excuse. And I said, I hope 
that over time I can prove to you that I'm trustworthy. Oh, I trust you. He said, I trust you. He goes, this is not about your trustworthiness. You just made a mistake. What I wanted to do was come in here and help you so that you, you learn in this. He goes, because in my life, I had to learn that too. And somebody loved me through it and helped me through it. This was back in like the year 2000. He was mindful of his own shortcomings. And he poured grace into me. So he, he rebuked me. And when he left, I was so excited about it. <laughs> because of how he did it. Number four. Unifiers help carry the load of others. Now the Bible says later in that passage, it says everybody should carry their own load. That's the standard. Your, your goal is not to have everybody else help you all the time. Your goal is to be mature and to grow spiritually and to start carrying your own load. But at times we find ourselves with a load too heavy to carry on our own. And so the Bible says here, each one let's see where is it at so to watch yourselves or you also okay verse two carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of christ carry each other's burdens unifiers help carry the load of others now it's not others responsibility to carry your full load all the time of your life. There are times as pastor I said, look, I can't do anything more for you. You've got to start doing something with that, and that's okay. But there are times that people find themselves in situations where they, they need a little help every now and then. Aren't you glad that somebody helped you when the load got heavy in your life? Aren't you glad? I was just being real honest with Sunday school this morning in my class. And just telling them, you know, I need to get this off my chest to you guys because they, they've kind of become my therapy group <laughs> and they're good at it. And they listen. To, and then they said, hey, it's all right. You can take today off. You, you're good. You don't have to teach today. And I, and I was like, while I appreciate that, I need to because I got I got I got to plow through this. I got to work through this today. And but but the point that I'm making is they were willing to take that load off of my shoulders today. You see what I'm saying? It's a unifier that does that. And rather than kick people while they're down, God, Lord, Lord knows my heart on this, but we, a few weeks ago, I got a call. It's one of the craziest Sundays that I've ever had here as pastor of this church. And I, can, I can't tell you everything that happened, but I can tell you this one. I get a call from my son-in-law, and he says, um, Marcy is in her car right in front of the church, and there's a dude lying in the middle of the road, just laying there. I went, huh? Yeah. I, I grabbed my gun and I took off. Because some weird stuff's been happening. And I'm not going to go into all the detail, but some weird stuff. So I had my gun in my back pocket. And I, I don't know if you watch Animal House. I don't recommend it, but I, I remember seeing it. And I, I was like John Belushi, man. And I'm looking, and I see that guy lying. It looked like a World War II picture. He was just like, like, some, like a sniper took him out. Right here, in the, right there in the middle.
down the road on Sunday. I'm, I'm like, we live on 15th Avenue. We're in Jonesville. Why does this stuff always happen in front of our church? This poor guy was just, he was out. I thought, I thought he's dead. Whoosh, I said, she was on with 911. I ran back. I said, stay right here. Park in the middle of the road so nobody runs over. I grabbed my truck. I came around. I came on this side. So we had him surrounded. Marcy gets out. She's trying to touch him. I said, don't touch him. It could be a setup. I start kicking the guy like he's a dead deer. I don't know. Yeah. Poor guy. He was on a skateboard. He passed out. and He's okay. But at the time, we didn't know. She goes, he's breathing that. And I went, oh, that's good. And then I started thinking, that's bad. Maybe, maybe there's a... I kept looking for a sniper. I just like... When the sheriff's deputies got there, I still had my hand on the gun. I said, hey, I'm carrying. I got my hand on the gun. I don't win. I'm worried about you. <laughs> So I kicked the poor man while he was down. That's not what you want to do. Unifiers don't kick people while they're down. <laughs> Unifiers help carry the load. You know, we can point at some people going through some rough times and <laughs> look at them. They get what they deserve. Really? Really? Are you getting what you truly deserve? I heard the Senate majority leader say something the other day, and it just stuck in my head about former President Trump. He said this, and the way he said it is what got me. He was talking about they're going to vote to convict, and he goes, he needs to be convicted. He deserves to be convicted. He deserves it. He deserves it. He said it three times. And I went, do you realize what you're saying, old man, who stand in judgment of others? What do you deserve? What do we all deserve? Right? Do you really want to get what we all deserve? Because if we're really true, we all deserve to die and burn in hell, every one of us, because of our sin. That's what we deserve. From Donald Trump to Chuck Schumer to Corey Sheremy, we all deserve that. But thank God, God doesn't give us what we deserve, right? He gives us grace and mercy and people to come alongside of us to carry the load. One last thing. Finally here, I want you to see this. Unifiers help carry the load. I'm sorry, help carry the load of others. Unifiers are motivated by love, number five. Unifiers are motivated by love. Oh, that's biblical. Look at Galatians 5, verses 13 and 15. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, Serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now notice verse 15. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Unifiers are motivated by love. The world 
is in the business of destroying, trying to destroy Christianity. They can't do it. The Bible says that Satan is the prince of this world. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age. So we have enemies that are sworn against Christ and against you and me. And we're going to battle that until we go to heaven. The last thing we need is to be battling among ourselves as Christians to take our strength away. And so one of the things that helps unity in that, because the Bible says if, if you do that and you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. A lot of churches have lost their ability to reach their community and to be a viable church because they have consumed each other from within. And who wants to go to something like that? You and I need to be mindful. There are people that come here every week that visit with us, that walk in the door. Maybe it's the first time they've ever been to a church, or maybe it's been years. And if they sense or see that all we want to do is fight among ourselves, they will never come back and maybe never go back to another church. Now, I say that to say, this is the best time to preach this. We don't have those issues here. But because we're people, that possibility can always arise. A message like this is good to preach when your church is living at peace and doing these things. But the underlying motive is obviously obedience to Christ out of love. We're motivated by the love of Christ. Unifiers. Notice, the world, when they disagree with somebody, they want to destroy that person. They want to wipe that person out. They want to cancel that person, as we're going through in our culture right now, cancel culture. They want to cancel that person's ability to make a living just because they disagree with something in your life. But notice, true Christians, we don't want to cancel people that live contrary to the Word of God. We want to reach them. We want them to come to the knowledge of Christ that they may escape the snare of the devil that they've been held captive to do his will according to 2 Timothy. And because we love them, we care for them, we tell them the truth, we live the truth, we want to live clean lives so that we can be examples so that when other people see our lives and they try to, try to praise us, we're like, no, 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 no. We mirror that and we send it and we glorify our Father who is in heaven and we say, look, what you're seeing in me, yes, thank you for that. But let me just say this to you. What you're seeing in me is Christ who changed my life. Without him, I would be selfish and full of me and I would hate most people. I saw a guy on Facebook. He was modeling a shirt, T-shirt, you know, all those sayings on T-shirts. And he says, I love hunting and about three people. How many people are on the face of the earth? Anybody know right offhand? What, what's the number? Seven billion? Six billion? Seven billion. Okay. So I'm going to have a shirt and say, I love hunting, fishing. No, I'm going to say this way. I love Jesus, 
my family, my church, hunting and fishing, and seven billion people, because that's who Jesus was. Unifiers are motivated by absolute love. It says, love your neighbors yourself. It says, indulge, or rather than indulge the flesh, serve one another humbly in love. I'll be honest. I don't always like serving somebody. But you do it because you love them. Right? So unity is important. Living our lives in peace is important. Now, not unity at all costs. We know that. But we do our best to live at peace with all people, the Bible says, as much as depends on you. That's what Romans says. You do, do the best you can. There's just some people that don't want to be unified with you. And that's on them. But we're motivated by love. Love for Christ. Love for lost people. Love for the brethren. Love for each other. Love for our mission. And all of that together, what we talked about today. There's a sixth point, but I didn't put it. And I was telling the worship team about it. It's called, sixth point is, unifiers advance the gospel. Because of everything we said today, the gospel is able to go forth. And the truth get out there. I'll tell people this, Jonesville's not for everybody and everybody's not for Jonesville, but our church, me, but Jesus is. And you may come here, you may not like everything. You want to know a little secret? I don't like everything we do either. This is not a dictatorship. This is a, you know, a, a monarchy. Jesus is the king. And there's some things that Jesus asks us to do that my flesh doesn't want to do. I don't always agree with everything, but I'll tell you one thing that as pastor of the church that has meant the most to me over the years outside of people being obedient to Christ, and that's that we have a church that's unified in its mission, in its message, in its motive. And as a result of that, the gospel can be advanced. And that's a beautiful thing. Over the years here, we've, we've had our Hispanic ministry, and I say ours in the sense that, you know, we host it here, but they do the legwork, and they, they work hard and do their ministry. You know, I'll never forget when we were talking about wanting to have them come here, um, you know, we have one man. He left our church. He never came back. I saw him the other day in his vehicle, and uh, he didn't see me. I waved at him, but he didn't see me. So I'm not mad about that he didn't wave back because he didn't see me. But anyway, um, oh, he, he was totally against it. And I told him, I said, brother, it's about kingdom work. It's about loving all people. I, I don't agree that pe some people are here illegally, but guess what? ICE isn't coming to get them, so... They're here. Why don't we give them the gospel? <laughs> Motivated by love. 
We have had ministries throughout our the, uh, time in our church. That, um, um, what is it? Uh, the um, Heritage Girls. What are they? What are they called? American Heritage. It's like the Christian Girl Scouts, if you will. And for a while, they used our facilities. The current chapter uh, no longer exists, so they're not meeting here right now. But we've had them. We have a group of people right now meeting in our facilities on Thursdays called Classical Conversations. They're a homeschool group that gets together once a week during the school year to kind of have like a regular school day for their homeschool families. It's not the brainchild of our church. But it's Christians in the area that needed a home. And we're unified to do kingdom work. Right? So unity advances the gospel. So here it is. I know we're at the end here. Let's stand together. Here's what I want you to think about. As we go into our time of invitation. Where does disunity come from? And I'll say this quick, very quick. It comes from, look at James, the Bible tells us. It comes from our selfish desire to have our own way. I've got to be willing to say not my way, but your will. Not my will, but your will be done. Let's be unified. Let's pray for the unity, not only of our church, but of, the, of, of, of Christianity in America and throughout the world because time is short it's time for the real Christians to stand up start acting like it start living like it and let's be unified together in what matters let's pray father I thank you for your word I pray for those who are here maybe that have never given their life to you and they want to be part of a unified body. And right now, I pray that they would reach out to you, call out to you right now, and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I need you. I turn from my way of life and turn to you. That's repentance. I put my faith and trust in you in the finished work of Christ. And I'm going to trust your word that to as many as believed him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. John 1, 12. So, Father, right now, there's anybody in this place that has prayed that. I pray you would give them the courage to come and let me know so we can introduce them to their family of believers and help them take the next step. And I know a message like this will reveal divisions within people's own families. How in the world can we be unified in the church when we can't even be unified in our families. But help us to see that we seek peace through Christ. And help us to be the healing agent in our relationships, in our families. So as God's spoken to you, church, I'm going to open this altar to you we need to plead, God, bring unity to our lives. Bring unity to our fellowship, which I believe we have in, 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 in droves. We have it here, but maintain it and grow it. 
We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.